0: you take the word gospel, a Mormon will say to me, I just love the gospel. And a Christian hears that and says, oh, that's wonderful. See, they believe like me. No, because the gospel to a Mormon is the Mormon church system. The gospel is Jesus died for our sins so that we can go to the temple and do all our temple ritual and do all our Mormon priesthood things. The gospel includes all of Mormonism, When a Mormon says, I love the gospel, they are not envisioning what you mean when you say you love the gospel. You're thinking just Jesus and the atonement and what he supplied for us directly between us and Jesus. They've got a whole church system in the mix that you
1: haven't even thought about.
2: Welcome to Engage Your World, brought to you by Engage 360 Ministries.
1: All right. Well, today we are on uh, with a special guest. You guys have a special treat today. Uh, We've been discussing what is the gospel for our last several episodes, what's the context, what's the content, and what is the response uh, to the gospel. And today, we're going to transition, we're going to start talking about what is the gospel not, or what are confusions or add-ons to the gospel, and looking at different groups that might uh, typify some of these. And so today we have on with us Sandra Tanner, who is the great-great-granddaughter of Brigham Young. Uh, Her and her husband were both fifth-generation Mormons, and they both came out around the time of their marriage, and and she'll share with you about that. They've had a very powerful and impactful ministry uh, to Mormons uh, since that time. And so, Sandra, thanks for joining Jordan and I today. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. We're excited to jump in here. So tell us a little bit more about your story, uh, kind of the brief version, and how did you end up doing what you're doing today?
0: Well, when my husband and I were in our late teens, we each were challenged that the truth claims of Mormonism don't really hold up. And before we even knew each other, we both had these challenges. And then when we met each other, we started studying together, and that led us out of Mormonism. And in the process, we started figuring out that the Christian message was different than Mormonism. And that's a bit of a process for someone leaving um, these kinds of uh, aberrant Christian movements that are centered in one man's teachings. It's hard to sort out what was in that group and what was real Christianity. But uh, at, over a period of time, we both came to faith in Christ. We set up a ministry to try to share our research with our family and friends. So through the years, we've uh, been able to uh, have a bookstore, run a ministry, uh, have a web page, and do all kinds of interviews and podcasts and stuff with people like you. <laughs> yes. Where we've shared our journey out of Mormonism and that there is Christianity to be gained. It isn't just a matter of losing Mormonism. Mm.
1: Yeah, I've I've heard that can be a challenge that uh, a decent amount want to reject religion altogether when they leave because it's it's hard to separate, you know, the wheat from the chaff if you will.
0: Yes. Yeah. I had a couple in this morning that way that had come out of Mormonism but at this point aren't interested in pursuing God. Unfortunately, half the people that leave Mormonism will probably become atheist or agnostic. It's just one of the realities of people leaving aberrant religions find that they were so burned by people they trusted that they just aren't ready to trust anyone else again about God.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, we do see some of them later on come back and become Christians. It's not hopeless, but unfortunately we see that this is a very hard thing to believe again after finding you were so
1: Now, I've also heard, Sandra, that it's often a process of a few years for someone from when they first begin questioning Mormonism to when they actually leave. Do you have any hard numbers on that or better better stats on that as to what that process entails? And I'm sure it varies, obviously. Some it may be immediate, some it may be way long. But what's kind of the standard process?
0: Uh, well, usually there is at least a six-month to two-years process of... Okay trying to sort through what's what's true, what's false, and can I still believe in God if I leave Mormonism? Uh, It's a lot of things to rethink. It's it's like somebody came into you one day and told you that your wonderful Christian parents really ran the local drug cartel, and uh, (laughs) it would be such a shock and hard for you to process that kind of... uh, disappointment and so the mormons go through this kind of terrible readjustment on realizing everything they thought about life universe and everything was wrong
2: yeah so how many mormons have you and your husband personally seen come out of mormonism
0: boy that's hard to say uh we've been involved in thousands of people's story So I don't know, but uh, we have Mormons come by every week, sometimes every day. We have uh, people all over the world uh, send me emails and call me on the phone. So I I have no idea, but it's been we've influenced thousands of people.
2: Praise God, that's awesome. What are some of the common threads of like people's stories? Like, what are some of their first questions they begin to kind of poke holes into the story they were given growing up?
0: Well, in today's world with the Internet, uh, it's really made it possible for people to very easily find out problem areas of Mormonism. One of the hot problem areas today is Joseph Smith's polygamy. Now, Mormons mm. have always talked about polygamy in their past. It's not like no one knew about it. But in today's world, we know about how Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, practiced polygamy. And as a much more problematic story than the way the church always told it. And when people find out that he was married to 14-year-old girls behind everyone's back and mm-hmm. that he was also marrying—they marrying, marrying they didn't actually marry—claiming uh, to marry women that already were married to another man, this yep. has been very troubling to people. So people will see something on the Internet that challenges the Book of Mormon—I mean, the uh, Mormon story— uh, mm-hmm. It could be a problem with Book of Mormon. It could be a problem with other scriptures. It could be a problem with Joseph Smith, any number of areas. And then they look on the Internet and they start finding different information. And then they'll come across maybe one of my uh, interviews on the Internet. And next thing you know, they call me and then we have a good discussion. And sometimes we'll see them come to faith in Christ. But it's, a, it's a journey. It's a Everything you ever thought about life has to be redefined. It's a very mm-hmm. hard journey. And then you lose all your family and friends. It's it's a very isolating experience. It it isn't like just deciding you're going to be Baptist instead of Nazarene.
1: <laughs> right. This
0: is like deciding you're Muslim and you're going to be Christian. Uh, it's, right. a, it's a world-changing event.
1: Yeah. Just to make sure all of our listeners understand a bit more about the context when you're talking about your ministry and people coming in, to explain what you do on a daily basis, where you live and why you're able to impact people. Why can people just Mormons walk in off the street?
0: Well, here in Salt Lake City, Utah, we have a little bookstore and we're the only ministry here in the area where you could just walk in unannounced uh, without making an appointment, walk into the bookstore and sit down and talk to me anonymously. And that's really important because the Mormon doesn't know at first whether he wants to identify who he is. Uh so the fact that they can just walk in and start talking to me has opened a lot of uh, opportunities. So uh, people will find out about me on the Internet, and then they'll come into the bookstore to talk further with me.
1: Okay. Well, let's transition and look at the kind of compare and contrast like you've talked about when when yeah. these people coming out have to look at, okay, what is what is the real thing? What am I still willing to believe? What do I need to reject? So what would be some of those big differences between what a Mormon would teach, what proper Mormonism would teach the gospel is, versus a biblical gospel?
0: Well, Mormonism has redefined all the terms of Christianity. And Mm. so when Christians talk to Mormons, they will usually meet with quite a bit of agreement. The Mormon believes that Jesus died for their sins. They say they believe in the atonement. They believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. Uh, They hope for um, forgiveness of sins through Christ, the same as a Christian would. So it makes it hard for the Christian to see where it's wrong because they sound okay at the beginning. But then when you get into explaining how that works out in actual fact, you start finding that, well, they redefined the words. And so atonement, Christ's atonement purchased for you resurrection, So that you have assurance of going to heaven through Christ, but that's not enough to get you eternal life. So eternal life is different than being saved, different than going to heaven. And when they make these fine distinctions, a Christian can get very confused talking to a Mormon uh, because they they keep talking to the Mormon about how you need to accept Jesus to be saved. And the Mormon's like, yeah, I already did that. We're good.
1: Right. Uh, Right.
0: But it doesn't mean the same thing. So that uh, the question is, how do we get the best that God has for us? Mm. Uh, it, it's easier to maneuver around than just saying, using the word saved. Um, right. So how do I get the best God has for me? Is Christ enough for that to be accomplished, or do I need more than Jesus? If I need more than that, what is it that I need So for the Mormon, you have to also, besides accepting Jesus, you have to be a Mormon, have the Mormon priesthood, go to the Mormon temple, and do everything they are required of you in order to get what they term eternal life, which is the ability to live in the marriage state for all eternity. So eternal life is the ability to procreate life in the marriage situation in heaven. It's living in the highest level of heaven. So that they would say, you as a Christian, they would see you as saved, that you're going to heaven, but you're not going to be with Heavenly Father. You're not going to be in the top level of heaven. So Jesus isn't enough in the Mormon system for a non-Mormon to get the best that God has for them. They're missing out. So the Mormon sees you as um, half halfway there. You right. have half a glass of water. They want to fill the cup up with the rest with Mormonism to get you the full package. You, you're mm-hmm. not in line for it right now. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And what's so crazy about that is like you're saying, they will want to use very similar words and yes. almost kind of pull you in halfway with their the similar sounding <laughs> words. And that's why what we've been talking about as a ministry is so important that we need to not just rely on, you know, Christian sounding terms, just saying yeah. words that sound Christian really isn't enough to test what you believe about God. We need to be able to sometimes put in synonyms. So what you gave as an example was really good. Instead of asking them, how can Jesus save us? Is Jesus able to save us? You said, can Jesus get the best for us? And what you're doing is you're being very clear with your words. You're using different terminology to get around the fact that we can kind of get
1: hung up on certain words.
0: Right, right. Mormons uh, and Christianese are a real problem.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. that's exactly what we've been saying, Sandra, is that, you know, we're, one of the things that we're working on is a Christianese to contemporary English translation guide, because we right. we run into the same problems. OK, so we get fired up. We think we have the true gospel. We have the biblical gospel. So we're going to go out and share it. And then we go tell people you need to repent for forgiveness of your sins. And, and uh, it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? How do I do that? You know, what's the, so let's explain what repentance is. Let's explain what sin is. Let's, you know, make sure they understand what we're actually saying. Cause they're not magic words. It's truth, but it's not magic words.
0: Well, you take the word gospel, a Mormon will right. say to me, I just love the gospel. And a Christian hears that. And say, oh, that's wonderful. See, they believe like right. me. No, because the gospel to a Mormon is the Mormon church system. The gospel is Jesus died for our sins so that we can go to the temple and do all our temple ritual and do all our Mormon priesthood things. The gospel includes all of Mormonism. So when a Mormon says, I love the gospel, they are not envisioning what you mean when you say you love the gospel. You're thinking just Jesus and the atonement and what he supplied for us directly between us and Jesus. They've got a whole church system in the mix that you haven't even thought about.
1: Yeah, you were telling us about a parable that's used. Maybe this would be a good time to share to make that distinction clear.
0: The Mormons have a little handbook called Gospel Principles, and they often give it to new converts. And it's available today in most Mormon bookstores. And in the chapter on the atonement, there's a parable by one of their apostles, Boyd Packer. And he gives a parable of what the atonement means. And in this story, he tells of this man that foolishly gets very deeply in debt and he can't pay it off. The creditor calls in the loan and says he has to pay up or go to prison. The fellow is scared and he doesn't know what to do. So he remembers he has a friend, which is obviously the Jesus figure in the story. And he goes to his friend and asks if he can help him. And the friend then says to him, If I pay your debt, will you accept me as your creditor? Yes, yes, cried the debtor. You save me from prison and show me mercy. Then said the benefactor, this is a Jesus figure, you will pay the debt to me and I will set the terms. It will not be easy, but it will be possible. Now, what did Jesus do in this? When we look at this parable, they're saying that Jesus made the refinancing of your loan (laughs) because he's not paying it off and telling the guy, here's the bill stamped paid in full. He's saying, you will pay the debt to me and I will set the terms. That's refinancing. So in Mormonism, an illustration I use with a Mormon, it's like if you needed a car and you didn't have the money for it, but your older brother came and said, I'll make the down payment for you and then hands you the payment coupon book. That's the Mormon concept of salvation by grace, is that Jesus made the down payment on the car for us and handed us the payment coupon book. In Christianity, Jesus bought us the car, handed us a piece of paper stamp paid in full. Now, we may go over and mow his lawn to do something nice for him, but it doesn't make the car more paid for. And that's the mm-hmm. problem in Mormonism. They are always paying on the bill. Right.
1: Right. Do you notice then that they, they never have a true sense of contentment, that they know that they, they can rest in Christ, that they have to always be working just in case, doing more, more, more? Or do you yeah, notice in order that
0: they— Yeah, mormonism says there's three levels of heaven, and the Mormons are trying to get to the top one. They would say you as a Christian already are probably going to get the middle
1: Terrestri- one. The terrestrial or—
0: yeah, the terrestrial. And they want to get the celestial, the top one. In order to get there, a Mormon has to do everything the church asks of them. They have to go to all their meetings. They have to go to the temple regularly. They have to pay their full tithing. They have to keep their Word of Wisdom health code. They have to do all of these works all their life in order to be assured that they will get the prize to get the highest level of heaven. So a Mormon is always trying to do everything but the problem is it's like being on a treadmill chasing a carrot you never get there and mm. they never have a full assurance that they're going to make it to the top level of heaven right because you got to get to the end of the road to have the score added up to see if you qualify so for yeah. a christian we can say Hey on the basis of 1 John chapter 5 we know we have eternal life. Yes. The Mormon does not know he has eternal life. He hopes, but he doesn't know it.
1: Wow. Yeah, and and then on the flip side of that from from what I understand there's the uh, there's the carrot and then and then there's the the stick that's the threat of the only way you really really lose if you're a Mormon and then you walk away. That's the guaranteed way you lose everything.
0: Yeah. um, Well, it's sort of a, that's even parsed out. Gerald and I never went through the Mormon temple ritual, which they call the endowment ceremony. So we still have a shot at the top for the prize uh, because uh, our family, after we, after I die, our family could go to the temple and have Gerald and I rebaptized, sealed and uh, we have a chance to accept Mormonism again. But once you've gone through the temple ritual, if there you do that you during your life and then walk away and fight against the church like uh, we've done in our ministry, uh, then you've given up the prize. But Mormonism has a kind of a second chance
1: right. thing in there. For,
0: a loophole. If you never <laughs> go through the temple ritual, you still have a shot at it later on.
1: <laughs> right, right. Wow. So uh, what would be some advice if someone begins talking with a Mormon? You know, maybe we're not in Salt Lake City like you are where it's common, but we do have them come around, uh, you know, the rest of the country, the rest of the world. So what would be your advice as to beginning to approach those conversations with the gospel, with trying to help them see the truth in mind?
0: Well, a lot of times you may live close to a Mormon temple, if you're here in the United States anyways. And then you have a chance to add, tell, say something to them about, oh, I drove by your temple the other day. Could you explain to me how that fits into your theology? Is that how you hope to get eternal life? It doesn't mm. matter. It's just a way of trying to start a conversation. Right. That you make some comment, you know, explain to me what your building is about. And I understand I can't go through it. Why can't I go through it if, if this has to do with your eternal life? But it opens a chance to talk to them about, for instance, with the temple The Old Testament temple ritual was explained in the Bible. God didn't hide it from us. And in the New Testament, the Christians didn't do any sort of temple work. The Jews weren't letting the Christians come in there and do uh, temple marriages. So I don't see anything in the New Testament that mirrors the Mormon idea of temple rituals So if Mormonism is a restoration of the old gospel in Jesus' day, then it doesn't seem to look like what I see in the New Testament. But you have a chance to just get a discussion started by uh, talking about the temple can lead into, did Jesus pay at all? Did he do everything? And the temple, it mirrors Jesus' atonement. And uh, that Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. So if it's finished, then why do we need more temple ritual? So they are just different ways that you can start conversations by just asking about their own experiences of uh, what is it in Mormonism that attracts you? Or what is your hope through Mormonism that you will get? And how would that be different than what I would hope to get as following Christ? Mm-hmm. To get them to explain to you something about where they're centered at. What is their hope? And to get them to discuss with you how they're different.
2: Are there any strategies that Christians should avoid, like anything about Mormonism and how they're kind of taught to interact with other religions, other ideas, that anything we shouldn't do when talking to a Mormon?
0: (laughs) Well, stay away from being condemning. I don't think it helps the conversation any if we immediately tell them, hey, if you don't accept what I'm saying, you're going to hell. Uh, (laughs) We need to build a friendship. We have to show them genuine concern and that we're trying to understand what their faith is really about. Uh, We're trying to share with them what we see the Bible teaching, and we're asking them, well, can you show me your faith in the Bible? I can show you from the Bible what I believe about Christ. To just have a conversation with them. Uh, It's really important to show them kindness and respect. Many Mormon missionaries go to the door of a Christian home and have the Christian slam the door in their face. Yep. So they come home from their mission with a very bad impression of Christians. And when I try to talk to them about visiting some other church, I've had them say to me, I wouldn't go to one of those churches after the way people treated me at the door.
1: Absolutely.
0: So we've got to show them that love of Christ, not just uh, tell them that they're wrong.
1: Yeah, I uh, have a story I can add in here. So for those of you that, that are listening and maybe you're nervous to just go out and have conversations, if you want a custom order uh, evangelism opportunity to your door, you can go on this, the website for uh, the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, I don't know if mormon.org is still functioning. I know there's a transition yeah, there where they're trying to get rid of that word, but— um, you can actually order them. And so we we reached out. We Actually, I think we saw some, but we started having uh, missionaries come over to our house on a regular basis, and we started coming weekly, and we would make them a meal. We would have conversations. We'd ask them questions. We'd find out about them personally. We'd ask them questions about what they believe, and we were very clear with what we believed all along. We never hid it. It wasn't a hidden agenda, but we showed them genuine love and care, and they did not know what to do with us because what they had gotten used to and what eventually they told us was they went on mission and they didn't really believe Mormonism. They kind of had been raised in it, but they had never really truly believed it. But what was affirming them in committing to being Mormons, and one of them had had made a formal commitment of some level, I don't know if it was personally or some sort of more formal than that, but had made a level of commitment. And what he said did that was he had always been told the only way to have true happiness the only truly happy families the only true love is in a mormon family and after going around our community and having people with crosses on their doors or a statue of mary in the yard slam the door on them cuss at them pull weapons on them it starts to affirm wow this is the only place we can find true happiness but with us they had trouble because they said you're the nicest people that we've ever met but you're Christians, and we thought we kind of had it figured out, and and now we're now we're trapped, and we don't. And they looked forward to uh, we were uh, we were the highlight of their week. We actually found out they were not getting fully fed; they weren't getting three meals a day um, by the the families that were supposed to be supporting them, and so they were at times hungry. Now I'm not saying they were starving to death, but they were hungry. Um, and we made them a meal every time and they would brag to all the other missionaries. <laughs> so eventually we started having additional people start coming, <laughs> checking out what was going on. We made friends with some, but it was just showing them genuine hospitality, showing them care and asking questions. But we were very direct and they said, you're the nicest Christians, but you're also the smartest. And, and you, we've never had someone talk to us like you are. They just right, didn't know what I- to do.
0: It's a great opportunity when the Mormons come to your door to share the love of Christ with them. And yes, they usually are hungry. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. That
0: these are growing kids and uh, their mission uh, is on a very sparse budget. Yep. So they're always appreciative of some extra food.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. So that was
2: great. What advice do you have, Sandra, for when talking to a Mormon? I've the, something that I've struggled with is they often appeal very quickly to the burning of the bosom, the fact that they had this—I can't remember the term for it right now—but this kind of confirmation a testimony. The testimony, right? They have this testimony and they have like this absolute certainty in it. Um, what is your strategy, I guess, for navigating that?
0: Well, for me here in Utah, it's kind of easy because we have all these different polygamous groups here that claim to be the true successors of Joseph Smith. And so I asked the Mormon when they give me that uh, they had some spiritual experience. and I said, well, I've talked to people in the different polygamous groups that say they've had visions in their front room that affirmed to them that Warren Jeffs or whoever was the true prophet rather than the head of the Mormon church. So how, how do I evaluate between your claims and their claims? They're just as sincere and just as committed to their beliefs. And yet, uh, here you are saying that yours is a more sure word than theirs. So Mm -hmm. as Christians, yes, we have a testimony of Christ. We have our feelings of, uh, spiritual confirmation, but it's always based on what God's revealed about himself. And that's the test of the whole thing. You have to have a base of uh, actual facts there to (laughs) build your faith on. It's not just, I affirm this, you affirm that. That Christianity has a historical base. So when we come to them with our testimony of Christ, we're not just... uh, just affirming not, something right. out of the blue
1: <laughs> competing testimony yeah one of the things yeah. we've said is your testimony is not the gospel and if you're using your testimony as a christian as a born again christian gospel b- biblical gospel believing and you're what you're telling people is here's my testimony if you believe me i have jesus for you he's behind me waiting as long as you come through me you can have him And if that's what we're on accident most likely doing, that's not presenting the true gospel. The true gospel points to Jesus, and it's him you have to believe or reject, not me.
0: Right, right. Mm. And the Mormonism is claiming to be a restoration of New Testament Christianity. And so that is the bar we can hold them to. Is your view of Christianity consistent with the New Testament? Now they want to argue that the Bible has been so changed Right. They have no knowledge usually about the preservation of the text. And uh, so Christians, it would help if Christians do a little study on how the New Testament came to us, how it was uh, translated, that in translation, it doesn't lose its meaning. Often I'll ask a Mormon, well, uh, your Book of Mormon has been translated into hundreds of different languages, hasn't it? And they'll say, yes. And I say, well, how can these other people be sure that they got the real message if it's been through a translation? Uh, Aren't you affirming that translation can happen and be accurate? Then why would we doubt the Bible when it becomes translated that that makes it inaccurate? They trust their own scriptures to go into other
1: translations. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure you would affirm this method, but one of the things we've always done is said, okay, well, go ahead and tell us which passages you know have been changed and we'll just use the ones that you know are reliable.
0: That's a good thing to point out to them. And and nobody
1: ever answers. (laughs) (laughs) They say, well, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's no list. (laughs) Right, exactly. And that's, but what I think it does is it's one of those things that puts the rock in their shoe because they've just heard that over and over and over. They've said it over and over. And then when you ask that question, all of a sudden they go, wait a second. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a list. How am I supposed to know which ones? Wait a second. And you know, you like you just see, usually it follows a long pause right. where you just see them trying to reflect and figure out, okay, wait a second. That kind of makes sense. That is odd, isn't it? So, <laughs> well, okay. So to, to wrap this up, we'd love to maybe have you on again in the future. Yeah. We can talk more in depth, but what could people do to get involved? Like I said, maybe they could order a, a, a Mormon missionary to their door What about with you guys? Is there anything, if someone really wants to catch his fire for this, is there anything going on where they could come to Salt Lake City? Is there anything you guys would recommend people doing to really step up and and try to reach out to Mormons?
0: Well, there are uh, several ministries here in the state that do different evangelistic outreaches, uh, and we can refer people to those different organizations for their contact information, uh, we have a website where we have all kind of information that uh, will help people to understand Mormonism and the difference on Christianity and uh, the Mormon beliefs uh, at utlm.org uh, or Sandra Tanner at uh, uh, just org Sandra Tanner org will get you there too. But uh, okay. we have a lot of resources there. Also, we can help people find other resources if they wanted to do missionary work we can get them in touch with the different organizations that do that
1: Okay well that's great yeah we'll be sure to include that in the show notes whether you're viewing this on the website or, or on one of the podcast players we'll at least put those URLs in the in the show notes um, Jordan any final questions you want to ask or anything you want to do to wrap things up I do have one more question actually yeah.
2: This is a pretty specific question but one thing that I studied out at one point was the history that's contained in the Book of Mormon, the things that it claims about the history of America and things like that. Yeah. And my question for you is, do you find it helpful to go into those types of um, objections to Mormonism when talking to Mormons, or do you find that they kind of get really defensive?
0: Well, I think that it can be used in a discussion of why Christians— Hold our belief to the New Testament that uh, we have a historical record. And if we're going to bring in additional scriptures, we have to put it to the same test of whether it's a historical record. And the Book of Mormon fails that test. So we had to face that as coming out of Mormonism. Do we still believe the Book of Mormon or do we set it aside? And we finally realized that it didn't pass the test of history. And Mm. it doesn't matter if it had inspiring stories in it. You can go to a Christian bookstore and find all kind of inspiring stories, but you don't make them scripture. So if it's going to be scripture, it's got to come to a higher measure than just being inspiring. Mm -hmm. And if the story never happened, then it's not something that we want to put our confidence So when we put it up next to the New Testament, it doesn't add up. It's not a historical document. Why would I trust it on my salvation right uh, in, in weighing those out then I have to come back to just the reliable New Testament for my faith in Christ, not additional scriptures.
1: Excellent. Well, we really appreciate you joining us, Sandra. very helpful comments on the difference in the workspace system versus that gospel of grace and and the way we need to be careful with the terms we use. The terms that are being used that we hear, those are really good takeaway points. And then thinking how do we intentionally, if we have Mormons in our area or want to want to reach out, how do we reach them? And we'd probably love to have you on again sometime in the future to talk more in depth okay. on some of that.
0: All right. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Have a good day. Bye now.